Chapter forty eight of The Spanish Brothers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne. The Spanish Brothers by Deborah Alcock. Chapter forty eight. San Isotro once more. And if with milder anguish now I bear to think of thee in thy forsaken rest, if from my heart be lifted the despair, the sharp remorse with healing influence pressed, it is that thou the sacrifice hast blessed, and filled my spirit in its inmost cell with a deep chastened sense that all at last is well. Hemans The cloudless sky above him, the fresh morning air on his cheek, the dewdrops on his feet, Don Juan walked along. The river, his own bright Guadalquivir, glistened in the early sunshine, and soon his pathway led him amidst the grey ruins of old Italica, while among the brambles that half hid them, glittering lizards, startled by his footsteps, ran in and out. But he saw nothing, felt nothing, save the passionate pain that burned in his heart. During his interview with Fray Ricardo he had been, practically and for the time, what the prior called him, insane mad with hate and rage. But now rage was dying out for the present, and giving place to anguish. Is the worst pang earth has to give that of witnessing the sufferings of our beloved? Or is there yet one keener, more thrilling? That they should suffer alone, no hand near to help, no voice to speak sympathy, no eye to look, ancient kindness, on their pain. That they should die, die in anguish, and still alone, with eyes turned away, and no last word to say. Don Juan was now drinking that bitter cup to its very dregs. What the younger brother, his one earthly tie, had been to him, need not here be told, and assuredly he could not have told it. He had been all his life a thing to protect and shield, as the strong protect the weak, as manhood shields womanhood and childhood. Had God but taken him with his own right hand, Don Juan would have thought it a light matter, a sorrow easily borne. But instead, he stood afar off. He did not help, whilst men, cruel as fiends from the bottomless pit, did their worst, their very worst, upon him. And with refined self-torture he went through all the horrible details as far as he knew or could guess them. Nor did he spare to stab his own heart with that keenest weapon of all. It was for me— for me he endured the question. The cry of his brother's anguish, anguish born for him, seemed to sound in his ears and to haunt him. He felt that it would haunt him evermore. Of course, there was a well of comfort near, which a child's hand might have pointed out to him. All is over now. He suffers no longer. He is at rest. But who ever stoops to drink from that well in the parching thirst of the first hour of such a grief as his? In truth, all was over for Carlos, but all was not over for Juan. He had to pass through his dark hour as really as Carlos had passed through his. Again wild hatred and rage against his brother's torturers rose and surged like a flood within him. And with these were mingled thoughts, too nearly rebellious, of him whom that brother trusted so firmly and served so faithfully, as if he had used his servant hardly and forsaken him in his hour of sorest need. 
he shrank with horror from every wayfarer he chanced to meet imagining that his eyes might have looked on his brother's suffering but last he came unawares upon the gate of san isadro left unbarred by some accident it yielded to his touch and he entered the monastery grounds at that very spot three years ago the brothers parted on the day that carlos avowed his change of faith yet not even that remembrance could bring a tear to the hot and angry eyes of juan but just then he happened to recollect the book he had received from the lay brother he took it from his place of concealment and eagerly began to examine it it was almost filled with writing but not alas from that beloved hand so he flung it aside in bitter disappointment then becoming suddenly conscious of bodily weakness he half sat down half threw himself on the ground his vigorous frame and his strong nerves saved him from swooning outright he only lay sick and faint the blue sky looking black above him and a strange indistinct sound as of many voices murmuring in his ears by and by he became conscious that someone was holding water to his lips and trying though with an awkward trembling hand to loose his doublet at the throat he drank shook off his weakness and looked about him a very old man in a white tunic and brown mantle was bending over him compassionately in another moment he was on his feet and having briefly thanked the aged monk for his kindness he turned his face to the gate nay my son the old man interposed san isadro is changed changed still the sick and weary never lift its gates unaided and they shall not begin now not now i pray you come with me to the house and refresh and rest yourself there juan was not reckless enough to refuse what in truth he sorely needed he entered the monastery under the guidance of poor old fray bernardo who had been passed by perhaps in scorn by the persecutors and so after all he had his wish he should die and be buried in peace where he had passed his life from boyhood to extreme old age yet there was something sad in the thought that the storm that swept by had left untouched the poor useless half-withered tree while it tore down the young and strong and noble oaks the pride of the now desolated forest the few cowed and terrified monks who had been allowed to remain in the convent received don juan with great kindness they set food and wine before him food he could not touch but wine he accepted with thankfulness and they almost insisted on his endeavouring to take some rest assuring him that when his servant and horses should arrive they would see them properly cared for until such time as he might be able to resume his journey his journey would not brook delay as he knew full well that his young wife might not be a widow and his babe an orphan he charged his soul to hold his body strengthened for the work that both had to do back to nuera for these dear ones as swiftly as the fleetest horses would bear him then to seville again and on board the first ship he could meet with bound for any foreign port would the term of grace assigned him by the inquisitor suffice for all this certainly not a moment should be lost i will rest for an hour he said but i pray you my fathers do me one kindness first is there a man here who witnessed what was done yesterday a young monk came forward one led him into the cell which had been prepared for him to rest in and leaning against its little window with his face turned away he murmured one agitated question three words comprised the answer calmly silently quickly 
Juan's breast heaved, and his strong frame trembled. After a long interval he said, still without looking, Now tell me of the others. Name him no more. No less than eight ladies died the martyr's death, said the monk, who cared not before this auditor to conceal his own sentiments. One of them was Senora Maria Gomez. Your Excellency probably knows her story. Her three daughters and her sister died with her. When their sentences were read, they embraced on the scaffold, and bade each other farewell with tears. Then they comforted each other with holy words about our Lord and his passion, and the home he was preparing for them above. Here the young monk paused for a few moments, then he went on, his voice still trembling. There were, moreover, two Englishmen and a Frenchman, who all died bravely. Lastly, there was Juliano Hernandez. Ah, tell me of him. He died as he had lived. In the morning, when brought into the court of the Triana, he cried aloud to his fellow-sufferers, Courage, comrades! Now we must show ourselves valiant soldiers of Jesus Christ. Let us bear faithful testimony to his truth before men, and in a few hours we shall receive the testimony of his approbation before angels, and triumph with him in heaven. Though silenced, he continued throughout the day to encourage his companions by his gestures. On the Quay Madero, he knelt down and kissed the stone upon which the stake was erected, then thrust his head among the faggots to show his willingness to suffer. But at the end, having raised his hands in prayer, one of the attendant priests, Dr. Rodriguez, mistook the attitude for a sign that he would recant, and made intercession with the alguazils to give him a last opportunity of speaking. He confessed his faith in a few strong, brief words, and knowing the character of Rodriguez, told him he thought the same himself, but hid his true belief out of fear. The angry priest bade them light the pile at once. It was done, but the guards, with kind cruelty, thrust the martyr through with their lances, so that he passed, without much pain, into the presence of the Lord whom he served as few would have been honoured to do. And, Fray Constantino, Juan questioned. He was not, for God took him. They had only his dust to burn. They have sought to slander his memory, saying he raised his hand against his own life. But we knew the contrary. It has reached our ears, I dare not tell you how, that he died in the arms of one of our dear brethren from this place, poor young Fray Fernando, who closed his eyes in peace. It was from one of the dark underground cells of the Triana that he passed straight to the glory of God. "'I thank you for your tidings,' said Juan, slowly and faintly. "'And now I pray of you to leave me.' After a considerable time one of the monks softly opened the door of their visitor's cell. He sat on the pallet prepared for him, his head buried in his hands. Signor, said the monk, your servant has arrived, and begs you to excuse his delay. It may be there are some instructions you wish him to receive. Juan roused himself with an effort. Yes, he said, and I thank you. Will you add to your kindness by bidding him immediately to procure for us fresh horses, the best and fleetest that can be had? He sought his purse, but remembering in a moment what had become of it, drew a ring from his finger to supply its loss. It was the diamond ring, that the Sierra de Romanias had given him. A keen pang shot through his heart. No, not that. I cannot part with it. He took two others instead, old family jewels. Bid him bring these, he said, to Isaac Osorio, who lives in La Juderia. Any man there will show him the house. Take for them whatever he will give him. 
and therewith hire fresh horses, the best he can, from the posada where he rested, leaving our own in pledge. Let him also buy provisions for the way, for my business requires haste. I will explain all to you anon. While the monk did the errand, Don Juan sat still, gazing at the diamond ring. Slowly there came back upon his memory the words spoken by Carlos on the day when the sharp facets cut his hand, unfelt by him. If he calls me to suffer for him, he may give me such blessed assurance of his love, that in the joy of it pain and fear will vanish. Could it be possibly he had done this? Oh, for some token, to relieve his breaking heart by the assurance that thus it had been, and yet wherefore to seek a sign? Was not the heroic courage, the calm patience, given to that young brother, once so frail and timid, as plain a token of the sunlight of God's peace and presence, as is the bow in the cloud of the sun shining in the heavens. True, but not the less was his soul filled with passionate longing for one word, only one word, from the lips that were dust and ashes now. If God would give me that, he moaned, I think I could weep for him. It occurred to him that he might examine the book more carefully than he had done before. Don Juan, of late, had been no great reader, except of the Spanish Testament. Instead of glancing rapidly through the volume with a practiced eye, he carefully began at the beginning and perused several pages with diligence, and with a kind of compelled and painful attention. The writer of the diary, with which the book seemed filled, had not prefixed his name. Consequently Juan, who was without a clue to the authorship, saw in it merely the effusions of a penitent, with whose feelings he had but little sympathy. Still, he reflected that if the writer had been his brother's fellow-prisoner, some mention of his brother would probably reward his persevering search. So he read on, but he was not greatly interested, until at length he came to one passage which ran thus, Christ and Our Lady forgive me, if it be a sin. Oft-times, even by prayer and fasting, I cannot prevent my thoughts from wandering to the past. Not to the life I lived, and the part I acted in the great world, for that is dead to me, and I to it, but to the dear faces my eyes shall never see again. My Constanza, Costanza, thought Juan, with a start, was my mother's name. My wife, my babe, O oh God, in thy great mercy still this hungering and thirsting of the heart. Immediately beneath this entry was another, May 21, My Constanza, my beloved wife, is in heaven, it is more than a year ago, but they did not tell me till to-day. Does death only visit the free? Yet another entry caught the eye of Juan. Burning heat to-day. It would be cool enough in the halls of Nuera, on the breezy slopes of the Sierra Morena. What does my orphaned Juan Rodrigo there, I wonder? Nuera, Sierra Morena, Juan Rodrigo, reiterated the astonished reader. What did it all mean? He was stunned and bewildered, so that he had scarcely power left even to form a conjecture. At last it occurred to him to turn to the other end of the book, if perchance some name, affording a clue to the mystery, might be inscribed there. And then he read, in another well-known hand, a few calm words, breathing peace and joy, quietness and assurance for ever. He pressed the loving handwriting to his lips, to his heart. He sobbed over it and wept blistering it with such burning tears as scarcely come from a strong man's eyes more than once in a lifetime. Then, flinging himself on his knees, he thanked God. 
god whom he had doubted murmured against almost blasphemed and who yet had been true to his promise true to his tired and suffering servant in the hour of need when he rose he took up the book again and read and re-read those precious words all but the first he thought he could comprehend my beloved father is gone to him in peace would the preceding entries throw any light upon that saying once more with changed feelings and quickened perceptions he turned back to the records of the penitent's long captivity slowly and gradually the secret they revealed unfolded itself before him the history of the last nine months of his brother's life lay clearly traced and the light it shed illumined another life also longer sadder less glorious than his one entry almost the last and traced with a trembling hand he read over and over till his eyes grew too dim to see the words he entreats me to pray for my absent juan and to bless him my son my firstborn whose face i know not but whom he has taught me to love i do bless thee all blessings rest upon thee blessings of heaven above blessings of the earth beneath blessings of the deep that lieth under but for thee carlos what shall i say i have no blessing fit for thee no word of love deep and strong enough to join with that name of thine doth not he say of whose tenderness thou tellest me ours is but the shadow he will be silent in his love but he may read my heart in its silence and bless thee and repay thee when thou comest to thy home where already thy heart is it might have been two hours afterwards when the same friendly monk who had narrated to don juan the circumstances of the auto de fe came to apprise him that his servant had fulfilled his errand and was waiting with the horses don juan rose and met him his face was sad it would be a sad face always but there was in it a look as of one who saw the end and who knew that however dark the way might be the end was light everlasting look here my friend he said for no concealment was necessary there truth could hurt no one see how wondrously god has dealt with me and mine here is the record of the life and death of my honoured father for three-and-twenty years he lay in the dominican monastery a prisoner for christ's sake and to my heroic martyr brother god has given the honour and the joy of unravelling the mystery of his fate and thus fulfilling our youthful dream carlos has found our father he went forth into the hall and bade the other monks a grateful farewell old fray bernardo embraced him and blessed him with tears moved by the likeness now discerned for the first time between the stately soldier and the noble and gentle youth whose kindness to him during his residence at the monastery three years before he well remembered then don juan set his face towards nuera with patient endurance rather sad than stern upon his brow and in his heart a grief as deep as life or thought but no rebellion and no despair something like resignation had come to him already he could say or at least try to say thy will be done and he foresaw as in the distance far off and faintly a time when he might even be able to share in the spirit of joy of the crowned and victorious one to whom in the dark prison face to face with death god had so wondrously given the desire of his heart and not denied him the request of his lips End of chapter 48